So to me, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have any of those feelings for for many years because it wasn't even. I wasn't even. I was so partially bitter at the industry,、mm. at the music industry as a whole, that I wanted nothing to do with the business, which then translated into I'm not. What's, what's the point? You know,、yeah. I mean, I played a little guitar and whatnot, but、um, just kind of noodling around. I I never stopped listening or having music around me. Yeah, always. Yeah. But it was about three and a half years. I didn't pick up a set of drumsticks because I was just committed to learning the trade.、Mm. And so,、um, and so, but after that point, in the, and I'm I'm kind of firing, you know, off a really good,、um, just a really good win ratio in my trades, and I'm managing risk better than ever, and I'm feeling like okay, like I'm getting into this, and I feel a stride, I feel comfort, I feel like I'm not second guessing much anymore. Yeah.、Um, I started to miss aspects of music again,、mm. uh, and so that's when, you know, we about that time we we bought our house, which is the house that we currently live in now、yep. here in Yorba Linda, and I actually finally decided I'm going to set my drums back up again. Welcome to Authentic Conversations. I'm your host Ryan James Miller, and I believe the way to freedom, fulfillment, and success ultimately comes by living as the most authentic version of yourself. If you're ready to live the life you've dreamed of, you're in the right place. All right, what up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Authentic Conversations. Today is a good day. It's a good day because I am recording a podcast in person. I have a good buddy with me, Corey Lane. Corey is a jack of many trades, which I don't know. We're going to talk about it today, but、um, yeah, good friend.、Uh, we have been connected for a few years. Our wives became friends. We became friends as the result of that. He used to pretend to work out in the gym once in a while. <laughs> I couldn't let that slide. You couldn't. I'll be the first to tell you.、Uh, So、uh, on that note, what up, dude? <laughs> what up, man? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> so typically when when I'm introducing people,、uh, I'm giving some professional bio.、Uh, I don't know all kinds of different stuff. So how about you? You started out with throwing me under the bus at the gym. <laughs> that that's how good of friends we are. I love it. <laughs> If you weren't gonna say it, I was going to. Yeah.、Uh, on top of that, you are a. Uh, past rock star, yeah, an amazingly skilled drummer.、Yeah. I, I've been in awe sitting and watching you drum in your own studio in the garage. He has a studio in his own garage. It's pretty epic. It's fun. Write music, right? Still、yep. today, write music. music today. Yeah, writing some, not jingles. What would you call some of the shorter stuff you write? Um, yeah, not really jingles because it's not going to be promoting this, the the show or the commercial, but like background music for film and television, things like that that kind of creates and stimulates the mood and the emotion. Oh, I like that, which is fun. Stimulates the emotion and the mood. Yeah, try watching a horror film without the music. Oh yeah, it'd be really boring, right? Like Michael Myers coming into a room and it's just dead silence, or the wrong music. <laughs> Circus music. It's all sexual. It's all sexual. <laughs> I mean, we're off the rails yeah, already. We're already. three minutes in, and it's hot in here. We turned the air conditioner off because it was making too much background noise.、Uh, okay, so uh, that uh, has been a big part of your life in the past. We'll probably dig into some of that because it really relates to what shaped you into the person you are today. On top of that, professionally, you also、uh, have been involved in. Stock trading and investing for how long now? Sixteen、mm, years, and、I've、that one is that. like it, that's such a curveball because if somebody looked at you, Rockstar like totally comes into play. Like just the way you carry yourself, the way you dress, it's like, yep,、yeah, Corey's a Rockstar. Yeah, and then you're like, I also manage people's money, or I also invest, or I teach people how to invest. It's like, come on, yeah, right. Doesn't fit. Yeah, doesn't fit. Yeah. What What was the、uh, What was the reason? Why Why did you get into investing? So when I was、uh, touring and playing music and recording, I had a couple different record labels. They were major labels. Warner Brothers, Maverick Records was one of them under the Warner Brothers label.、Mm-hmm. Um, that was a band that I got signed with called Mercy Drive、um, back in two thousand three, two thousand four ish. Wasn't trading. Wasn't investing. Was all drums for me. Up until that point, and that was all I was going to do. Never went to college. 
I never prepared for any other career. Um, but then in, in the entertainment business, specifically the record business, a record label will sign a couple hundred bands a year and only really plan on releasing maybe 10 to 20 records. Yeah. And so we were one of the 180 they did not, and they shelved the project. And when they shelve a project at a, at a record label like that, they don't just say, sorry, we're not going to release your record. They say, sorry, we're not going to release your record and we're not releasing you from contract. Because we own the material, we paid you in advance up front, we paid for the record to be made, and it was something ridiculous. Like the first record we made was like 300 grand, and it wasn't even the most proud work I've ever done. <laughs> so we did a second record um, for like 30 grand and with an awesome producer in a great studio in Atlanta, and it took us two weeks to make it. The first record cost us 325,000. It took us two months to make it. Oh my God. And then it we, and in that process, you lose the creative kind of flow too sometimes. But anyhow, they shelved the project and I joined, and that was a bummer because you work your whole life for that. And you yeah. think record deal, publishing deal, they're just gonna hear our music and it's gonna be big. We're gonna tour and this is it, we made it. Well, that was like the biggest hurdle, I mean, to, to get the record deal at first, yeah. but then um, it's getting them to actually do something with it. And now they own you. Yeah. And so it's like being fired from a job, but not actually being able to go to work in that field for the next seven years. Well, to anybody that's been stuck in a non-compete for any period of time. Right. But way worse. <laughs> right. Right. Well, yeah, because non-competes, I mean, do they really hold up? I don't know. Not normally. Not normally, but a record contract does. Yeah. Because they own the music. If you try to release it, if you try to go sign with another label, then the label's going to say, well, you're already signed to Warner Brothers. We can't do anything with you. Sorry. Yeah. So I went, did the, you know, hired gun thing and played for a few bands um, and just went on the road and just played for a paycheck. And that was fine. I mean, it kind of got me by. Yeah. You toured with some cool people. Yeah. It was complete. Oh, yeah. I had 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 some good times, but it was never there was no light at the end of that tunnel. Yeah. And were um, you dating Nicole at that time? I forgot. Yeah, we were married at that time. Oh, married. Yeah. Married. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Or we were just newly married. Okay. Right. Um, yeah, because we were married in 2003. Okay. And so 2004, we did some work, um, just some one off work with the, uh, with the WWE, writing some theme music for wrestlers. If you would have ever told me that you did John Cena's entrance music, that would have been it. Dude. We did not do John Cena's entrance that, music. Dun, dun. I can't even no. redo it, but we did uh, Randy Orton's entrance music. Really? Do you know Randy Orton? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. That's um, cool. which I I knew very little about wrestling at the time, but we did some stuff early on the on the on the. Uh, it was a reality show years ago called Tough Enough. WWE, it was like right? WWE, yes, Tough Enough. I remember. And it was like the second reality show after Real World. That's like right. It was really early. It was like, right. and a guy named Maven won oh, that first yeah. season of Tough Enough. And we had four or five songs uh, in the show on MTV. And then Maven ended up choosing, as the winner of the show, he got to choose his theme song. And he's like, I want that song. And it was ours. Oh. And so, you know, he used it for many years. Um, he was never like a household name. Yeah. But um, Randy Orton was definitely a household yeah. name. Yeah. Um, so when they came to us and said, we need a theme song uh, for this guy, his name is Randy Orton. He's part of a a trio and he's and he's going to be in the near future he's going to be breaking out of the trio and he's doing his own thing and i'm like wait you already know this in advance <laughs> and so uh and so uh turns out yeah yeah they, they know that stuff in advance <laughs> <laughs> welcome to reality welcome to reality tv and uh and so yeah we did and, and that actually was a really good experience from a music standpoint because he was a huge household name in wrestling and all of a sudden we had a bunch of fans, even after Mercy Drive, decided to kind of stop making music. And I moved out to California to figure out what the hell I was going to do with my life. Because um, that's where Nicole, my wife, is from. And so um, and so we got to do that. And then all of a sudden people got interested in Mercy Drive again. I'm like, well, excellent. I've already stopped doing that now. <laughs> yeah. um, so then, you know, we posted some stuff on Spotify and iTunes. And music distribution is really easy today. Yeah. And so um, it wasn't in 2003. It was not. No, no, it wasn't. No. Um, the only easy distribution was people stealing your stuff off of LimeWire if they could find it. Pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. And of course, I probably did my fair share yeah. of that, right? <laughs> I was in, but, you know, um, probably who didn't at that time. But yeah, so, so then 
um, while that was gaining traction, I wasn't, I still didn't see any light at the end of that tunnel and I needed something to do. Okay. I, I, I know that I asked you how you got into investing, but I can't hold back from this because this is actually why we're really here today. So you were living the rock star lifestyle, right? Ish. And you were right. Touring and recording and, uh, wanting to no money. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That too. Well, actually that, that's a big part Different of it. Different kind of rock star. Life. And this woman chooses to marry you. Yeah. Which I have no idea why. <laughs> because we know it wasn't for the money. <laughs> no, it wasn't for the money. But like early on, you have to begin figuring out how to balance being a husband and taking care of her all while supporting or, or chasing your dream. Right. And so how did that work itself out early on? Well, there was no way I could take care of her financially. <laughs> right. No way. Right. I mean, I might have been making $1,200 a month. And now I was living in Orlando, Florida at the time. Um, I always make jokes, but it's true. I lived with my mom when I met Nicole. Yeah. And I was, what, 24, 25-ish years old. We yeah. met in 2001. I'm 46 now. Um, so we met in January of 2001 at the American Music Awards. Really? Yeah. We were out there promoting and her family was in the business, in the entertainment business. So she got to go to all the cool shows and okay. award shows and Grammys and stuff like that. Um, so her family was in the business. Um, and so that's where we met. But so I was living with my my mom at 24, 25, 26 still. And, uh, and, and, you know, when she comes to visit me in Florida, we're staying at my mom's house. As, you know I mean? I should have my crap together already, but, uh, I mean, but you know, back then, you know, Priceline was a new thing and you could auction and you could bid for hotel rooms and, you know, we would get like, we would little go away for two days. Yeah. And, you know, it was real cheap, but, um, I racked up my fair share of, you know, credit card debt, you know, yeah. in that time a little bit, but financially she was doing pretty well, um, because she owned her own business and she had a lot of freedom to travel because she owned her own business and it was in the dance, you know, children's dance world. And so she had teachers kind of doing all the day-to-day -day stuff Yeah, and she could manage the business from, from a laptop, yeah, right. Which is what she did. So, uh, we spent a lot of time going back and forth, but I guess emotionally is where I was able to. Uh, keep the connection going because mm -hmm. um, it sure as hell wasn't financially. Yeah. Did, did that like, you know, again, just kind of the lifestyle of um, a rock star or, you know, this is what I aspire to be um, a badass, you know, whatever. Like, and I know that's not really your personality, though. It may have been different back then than it is now. Actually isn't different, which is why I don't think I made it that far. <laughs> okay. It takes a certain amount of ego to be. Okay. Yeah. And it takes a certain amount of wanting to party all the time. Yeah. And you didn't and really I, want that either? No, no, I didn't. So even though I'm very social and I love to hang, yeah, um, I've never been into doing like I, can, I, I, I know very, very vividly. I remember there was another band in Orlando at the exact same time that we got signed by the same label, same A&R, same manager, and they got a bigger record deal. They got a better producer. And I don't think that it was because they were necessarily a better band. It's just they love to go drink and get high and take the A&R out and pay for their time in town. And they were a better hang. Uh, and I really do think that you know, if you watch documentaries like Hired Gun, um, which I think is on Netflix, there's there's a lot of big guys who who hire musicians and they're like, first you got to be able to play, obviously, yeah, and but and, but but second you got to be a good hang because yeah. now we're hanging in close quarters for months and months and months at a time, and if you're not a good hang, it's going to be a difficult you know thing, and so the A and R you know that we had and a lot of them probably just loved the party, yeah, and they love to get into stuff you know, substance wise that yeah. I was never really into, yeah. you know, I'll have some cocktails, but that's as far as I would take it. Yeah. And so it was never a really good hang. And so I think that that had a lot to do with, you know, my initial lack of grabbing the attention of people who could really propel yeah. that forward. But then that on the flip side, that protected your marriage early on 100%. because it would have probably shipwrecked itself had you been that type of person, right? hundred percent. Yeah. And I was always very like, not just willing to 
bring Nicole along. It was, I wanted her there yeah. in every moment that she could be there for every show, um, for every, you know, bit of any little tour that we would take. I'd always want her to travel if she was, you know, wanting to come out and hang out in a van with six dudes. Yeah. Because you know? <laughs> that's how we travel. You know I, I, mean? I think it's, it's, first of all, I mean, knowing you guys today and, you know, spending time with you and seeing how uh, close you guys are, you know, I, I see how much you value each other <clears throat> now, which is great. But I think that's something that people need to take into account earlier on and guys more than anything, because guys are very much like, I need to do my own thing. And I know you do that and I do that, right? Guys, guys time or days out or a weekend, but you value that time being together, both because you love her and she's your friend, but also I'm sure there's a part of it maybe earlier on too, that it's also a good protection mechanism because if they're there, you're less apt to get yourself into trouble for other things. 100%. And I just don't think enough guys think about that. You know, it's just not something they're like, no, no, I need my own time. I need, I need my own space. I, I, you know, my, my wife is there for part of it, but not everything. And so it's a big miss, you know? It is a big miss. And I include Nicole in everything, every decision, uh, whether it has to do with um, even even music. Like when I create music today, I'll bring her in and have her listen early on to because I know she's going to be the most honest yeah. with me. And I appreciate that. So, <laughs> I mean, we, we do love hanging out. So, yeah. She's pretty fun. She's fun. Yeah. She's, she's kind of a good time. She's a good time. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it's lasted so long. <laughs> okay. So you make your way back here. Yeah. You get yourself into the world of finance. And how did you fall into that? Yeah. So Nicole had a really good friend growing up since elementary school um, that was in trading. He was in mentoring. He traded options. He traded a bit of futures. And I remember one day over dinner, I was talking with him and I said, so now what do you do exactly? I mean, I knew that he did something in finance. But here I am searching for some guidance in my life. Where do I want to go? I know I'm going to have to go back to school for something, but, um, but, but what am I going to go back to school for? And I couldn't really pinpoint anything that I liked, but here's what I did like. He had kind of a gypsy lifestyle in the sense that, I mean, he wasn't married, didn't have kids, but he could literally go anywhere at any time. He'd take his laptop and he could be traveling 90% of the year and it wouldn't affect his income. And I'm like, I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's like, that, that, sign me up. Like, sign me up for that. What do you do? And he's yeah. like, oh, I trade uh, options and some futures and stocks. And I'm like, man, like Wall Street stuff? And he's like, this is how green I was. I mean, I didn't know a stock from a rock, right? <laughs> I couldn't tell you at that time. I, if you were to ask me how many stocks are in the S&P 500, I'd be like, I don't know. How, how am I supposed to know that? But it's in the title, right? Right, right. And so, um, and so I'm like, what do you do? He told me what he did. I was like, can you teach me to how to do that? And he's like, uh, not by myself. No, I mean, you're starting from zero and, 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 and it can take an army of people with different skill sets to teach you how to successfully, you know, actively trade in the marketplace and yeah. gain consistency. I'm not talking about, you know, win a couple big trades like AMC and GameStop and call yourself a genius or yeah. a guru yeah. and start putting out TikToks. Like, look how Easy great I am. Bro. I made a little bit of money on AMC. Of course you did. Feeling good about myself. But you're also not on TikTok going... <laughs> no one needs to listen to my advice. <laughs> Nobody. Right? Right? Like, like those same people who were, who were in the first week of GameStop were all over social media, you know, you know, talking about their, their returns. And then a week later, they're like, zero. You can't find them. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you know what that that is really fascinating to me, and I know it's just the way of this world, but you know, we hear it's so relevant to you know your world and your profession today. But like, we hear about the I was just reading yesterday this couple in New Zealand or something I think they were that invested their life savings into Bitcoin when it was nine hundred bucks a, uh, a coin. Oh, gosh, crushed right? They crushed it. They yeah. have nine cold hardware wallets stashed around the world in different places. So it, it can't be hacked and stolen. So it's like you hear those stories and you think to yourself, like they didn't even give the number, but life savings, let's just pretend it was $50,000. If they bought $50,000 worth of $900 Bitcoins, they are worth a ridiculous amount of money. Now they've it was worth twice as much and then it dropped to thirty thousand and now it's back up to forty something right. today, right? So you hear those stories and you yeah. hear the guys that sold everything, bought Dogecoin, you know, it went five hundred times and they made a bunch of money. But you don't hear about everybody that's losing it all the time. So we're not getting a balanced reality on what's really out there, especially because the loss comes 
a thousand times more than the winds do. And faster. Yeah. And faster. Because they're rated, what, especially in the marketplace, well, really in life, they're rated things at which things rise is generally slower than the rate at which things fall. Yeah. Right. And so that is true for anything in trading and investing. Yeah. And um, yeah, no one likes to, well, no one, most people don't like to highlight their, their failures. Yeah. And so, um, and so they just don't talk about it. Yeah. Or they'll say, no, it'll come back. You'll see, <laughs> you know, yeah, I was up and, and, and I'm down, but they'll say things like, well, I haven't lost because I haven't sold it yet. Which to me is an excuse yeah. for um, hanging on longer and hoping that this thing freaking comes back yeah. so you can prove yourself right. Yeah. Versus the way that, you know, professionals, you know, trade. And I have, you know, I would consider myself a, a professional in the retail space because of the consistency and, and things, but I've never traded for a, a, a billion dollar hedge fund or, yeah. I, you know, I didn't get my start, you know, on wall street. I got my start from a trading screen at my house Yeah, and I went to school for it. Yeah. Uh, and I put, I mean, literally what I was not do, working at a day job, I was putting six, seven, eight hours a day into learning the skill and everybody goes through, you know, uh, the, the ups and downs of it while you're, cause it's a skill like learning anything else. Yeah. You know, rarely do you get it right out of the gate. And if you do, that's dangerous because now you feel like you can get away with anything. Yeah. So, um, so this whole, I have, I haven't lost cause I haven't sold it yet is an excuse to hang on and hope that things come back. Yeah. And, it's, and, it, and it's a defense mechanism. So you don't have to be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And people hate being wrong. Yeah. Absolutely. Or it's like, if you can be wrong fast and limit the downside, this, this, this space, which is trading and investing, whether you do it daily or weekly or monthly, or just a, a couple times a year to better manage a 401k, there's so much opportunity with $7 trillion trading hands every day. And I'm like, I don't need that much of seven trillion a day <laughs> right. to like get by in a really great way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's but it takes time to build that skill and yeah, you know. And so you're be, doing that, you're back here. The oldest of your two boys has to be born right around that time. Two thousand seven, January okay. two thousand seven. Okay. So I'm um I'm maybe a, in fact the my very first day of class where I was going to learn my very first thing about stocks and trading was the day that I found out uh, we were pregnant with cash. No way. Yeah. yeah. Boy, that takes on crazy. a whole new spin. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, ah, uh, geez, like. I better learn fast. I better learn fast. real good at this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, so don't screw it up. Yeah. No. She didn't say that, but in my mind, I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. pressure's on, right? Yeah. Our first kid, we yeah. were married for a couple of years. Um, financially, I just feel like crap because I can't take care of myself or Nicole, much less a kid. And I know we were trying for kids and she was fine with me not having the income at that time, but I couldn't stay there. Yeah. I didn't want to stay there. It just felt horrible. Okay. Yeah. So like, you know, as men, you know, we want to be providers. We want to be protectors. You know, we want to be these things to our wives, our kids. Uh, you got, you know, two boys now. So you want to you know, model that for them and you want to be that for them. So how do you, or do you remember like having to deal with and work through kind of the, what you wanted and the reality of where you were? Like, did that create challenge for you? Like mentally, emotionally, and thinking about that? At first, no, <laughs> because I was incredibly excited about my new path. Hmm. So I, for, for, Gosh, probably the better part of three years, I didn't touch a pair of drumsticks. Really? Yeah. Three, you three and a half years. Committed. I was just like committed. Yeah. And, you know, there's like interested and and, and then there's committed. Mm -hmm. Right. There's like being a part of it and, and, and like there's no going back. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like in the morning, like making breakfast. I mean, you think about it. The chicken lays the eggs and they're a part of your breakfast experience. The pig is committed. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> that analogy is great. Right? Or maybe I'm just committed to take the pig's life. <laughs> maybe. I mean, it's not like they had a choice, but no. they're like, okay, yeah. here we go. Yeah. So to me, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have any of those feelings for, for many years because it wasn't even 
I wasn't even, I was so partially bitter at the industry, mm. at the music industry as a whole, that I wanted nothing to do with the business, which then translated into, I'm not, what's, what's the point? You know, yeah. I mean, I played a little guitar and whatnot, but um, just kind of noodling around. I, I never stopped listening or having music around me yeah. always. Yeah. But it was about three and a half years. I didn't pick up a set of drumsticks because I was just committed to learning the trade. Mm. And so, um, and so, but after that point in the, and I'm, I'm kind of firing, you know, off a really good, um, just a really good win ratio in my trades and I'm managing risk better than ever. And I'm feeling like, okay, like I'm getting into this and I feel a stride. I feel comfort. I feel like I'm not second guessing much anymore. Yeah. Um, I started to miss aspects of music again. Mm. Uh, and so that's when, you know, we, about that time we, we bought our house, which is the house that we currently live in now yep. here in Yorba Linda. And I actually finally decided I'm going to set my drums back up again and just kind of get back on the kit and see what happens. And that's what then started me on the path of, okay, this is fun again. I don't have to do it for the money uh -huh. and I can get back to doing it for why I started it in the first place. And when you're, you know, I started when I was two playing drums. Wow. My dad played a little drums. My uncle played a little drums, um, local bands. I was the only one who took it to like a major label deal and touring and stuff. But when I was playing, you know, 10, 15, 12, you know, I got my first band when I was 15 years old and I, you know, no one has to pay you to play. Yeah. But when you get in your twenties and you're out of high school and all your friends are in college and now they're leaving college and getting, you know, 60, 70, $80,000 a year jobs. And Which you're still living with mom. It used to be a lot of money. <laughs> right. And, 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 and I'm like, like, what am I like? Somebody's got to start paying me to do this. Yeah. And then it became more about getting paid and finding the money and finding the opportunity there. And it was less about the music. Mm -hmm. So when I set the drums back up in our house, in my office, um, I got to get back to that childhood sort of feeling of, oh, yeah, I really do love this. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and at that point, I sort of realized that music doesn't need to be something that I just put on the back shelf. And the reason that you, you look at me physically and you say, oh, yeah, he I, he doesn't look like a trader. He looks more like he's in a band. Yeah, it's it's it comes down to, you know, music is is in my DNA. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like who you are. It's, it's yeah. who I am yeah. through and through. Yeah. Um, trading is what I do. Yeah. But trading doesn't define any part of my life except for income. Yeah. And I teach people how to do it. But I also say, you know, I don't want to teach you just because you want to make money. I want you to learn how to do this so you can get back to what you're meant to do, to what yeah. you're built to do. You know what I mean? Okay. So thinking about that, which I, I love that you said, you know, especially the, the job that pays you the money is not what you, you know, it's not who you are. It's just what you do. <clears throat> so on the on the music side of things you said you know that that's much more who you are so what is it about that specifically that because th this is one thing that i try to help guys specifically with when i'm coaching them it's let's figure out what you're really trying to experience in life what you want life to feel like what because it sounds like that's what you're talking about is more of what it does for you versus just the act of playing music, right? Yeah. The act of playing music can sometimes be exhausting and painful and, you know, you get blisters on your hands <laughs> and you'll bleed and I mean, it's, it's good cardio. So if I'm not getting to the gym, <laughs> Oh, hey -oh. oh hey -oh. <laughs> uh, you know, I can, I can, I, I can use, a, you know, lose a few LBs, you know, playing drums, but um, yeah, it's really, um, when I'm in that not distracted by anything in life and I'm just behind the drum set or I'm just mixing drums or mixing a record, there's just a different, there's just something that internally happens where, um, like I feel at home, um, when I'm behind a drum set. Now it's very different playing in a studio by yourself sure. where I feel the most at home is playing on stage. Yeah. Which I don't get to do anymore. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm, I was just talking to Nicole literally the other day because trading's going well, her real estate's going well, you know, um, I don't really have any complaints financially. Our kids are 
kicking butt. They're in a band and they play rock and roll music and they're and they're having fun and their band is good. And it's like, okay, like I'm, I'm I feel like I'm missing something somewhere. Like there's still an empty space mm-hmm. and I don't know what to fill it with. Uh, there's always something to do. And I, if you give me, you know, a half hour and say, what do you want to do? I'm like, well, there's probably a lot of stuff to do, but I'm <laughs> yeah. going to, I'm going to pull out a to-do list and I'm going to say, let me just knock off some stuff that is, you know, needs to be done. Yeah. But there's still a, a hole that uh, is not able to be filled. I don't think, yeah. which is the challenge because there's nothing like being on stage in front of however many, you know, a hundred people or a thousand people, Yeah. you know, and I've played at church before and you know, but it's a different, it's, it's different when yeah. you're, cause at church, you're a little more reserved behind yeah. the drum kit and, but in a rock and roll environment, you're going for it, <laughs> dude. I, and there's, there's, there's nothing there's, I, I don't even know how to explain it. I mean, like I've been skydiving and it's hard to explain like the feeling of free falling, yeah. you know, for thousands of feet. Yeah. It's kind of like that. It's like, you can't really explain the feeling, Yeah, but that's like, that's a complete Corey. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's dope because again, like that, that's ultimately what we're after, you know, and for everybody it's different. Um, but I, I think that identifying that feeling, even if you can't completely articulate it or explain, you know, it, it feels kind of like this, and this, you just know, Yeah. you know, yeah. and, and it's such a shame to me that more people don't seek to pursue that. And instead they try and just fill other things in that sound like it would make them feel good or that makes somebody else feel good. So it'll probably make them feel good too, you know? Yeah. Or, or maybe they feel guilty going after yeah. um, what they want. Yeah. You know, especially if you have a, you know, a spouse and kids and people counting on you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I felt guilty for a real long time. Um, especially when we were homeschooling our kids you know, they're back in school now um, and it's a performing arts school. So it makes sense for yeah. where they're at. Right. Yeah. But um, but I felt guilty for even a period of time going into the studio because mm-hmm. there was now, now that's time away from, you know, being a dad or being a yeah. husband and like fulfilling that role. And there's always more you feel like you could do as a husband or a father. Um, and so there was a moment where there was some times where I felt guilty going in the studio. Yeah. And I would voice that to Nicole too. I would say, well, there's always so many things to do. And she's like, uh-uh. If you want to go in the studio, then go in the studio. Like, we're not trying to make you feel guilty out here. Yeah. Like, go do you, even if it's for an hour. Yeah. Right? We're not going anywhere. We're still going to be here. Yeah. And so I think it was just me always wanting to be the most helpful yeah. in every environment that made me feel guilty. And I think a lot of people do feel guilty going after what you know, what they, what they want. But then at the end of a person's life, they're going to feel as much regret. Yeah. If not more, um, that they didn't pursue more of those passions. Yeah. But I think it's also important that, you know, tracking all the way back to, you know, when you guys were first dating, first got married, you made her a priority from day one. And so not that you necessarily do it for this, but you built up a lot of credit, credibility, trust with her yeah. that she knows you, she is your number one. She knows that she is your priority. And so therefore, when you choose to do other things at times, she wouldn't feel like you're putting her aside to do something else. Right. Um, and I think, again, that's something that's so important. You know, when when we are investing ourselves into all these other areas and especially for our families, they're kind of second. I say a lot of times, you know, guys put everything into the day job. There were. And then the most important people in their life get their sloppy seconds or worse. And so no wonder why their wives, no wonder why their kids are frustrated with them. They don't feel like they know them. They're complaining all the time because they're not around. It's because you've never ever whether you said it or not, you haven't demonstrated to them that they're really the most important thing. A hundred percent. And I fell into that trap for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in a sense that I got to teach people. I was working with a company and I got to teach people and I got to travel to, you know, all around the country. I traveled to Dubai and London and like places. And I got to, I got to teach people 
trading and build, you know, real value for these people, which was, yeah. which was, which was a passion of mine, you know, at that and still is today. Um, but I wasn't home. I, you know, I would, I would travel 10 days out of the month, 15 days out of the month. There were a few months where I was gone 21 days out of the month. There was a December where I was gone 21 days in December. I missed every, like every time you're driving around looking at Christmas lights with your kids and like, I missed the whole month. I mean, I was home for Christmas, but literally three days before Christmas, um, you know, dad's home and, 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 and I would always justify it when Nicole and I got in conversations about, Hey, this can't be the end all you got to have. I mean, just like, we want you home. You're wanted here. I'm like, oh, I want to be here. And I would say that. And I really did feel that, but I was also at this position where like, now I'm the only one who's out generating income because uh-huh. she's staying at home with the parent, with the kids and homeschool and all that stuff. So yeah. the income is hundred percent mine. Yeah. So I'd make this stupid excuse like, well, if I'd stop traveling, then where's our income go? We right. lose the house. And, yep. and, and, and that, was exactly what you said. I was demonstrating that the people in my life that meant the most to me were second to the work that I was doing or the money that it was bringing in. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a trap that I fell into for, for a handful of years that I just feel, uh, like I missed out on a lot looking back. And so, yeah, I mean, I still teach, but I try, I teach from my home studio and it's all Zoom, right? Even yeah. even if it's not 2020, 2021, yeah, COVID yeah. and all that, I'm still on Zoom, right? Because I choose uh, by design not yeah. to go travel and yeah. get on a plane. And I choose to be next to the people that mean the most to me. Yeah. And so hopefully they see that and, 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 and you know, because I'm starting to try to figure out this whole demonstrating thing, right? Huh. You know, the way you put it, I never really, you know, but yeah, you... Like it's, it's the whole action speak louder than words. Totally. Right. So you could be saying all day long, yep. but I was demonstrating very, you know, poor habits from a husband and father standpoint. But yeah. that switched, uh, I guess about three years ago when I left traveling and not teaching, I just started my own shop yeah. and I just teach from home right? yeah. and teach on my terms. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I always want to be like gracious with people's situations because there are certain seasons of life and people and environments that require you to do things like that for your family, for yourself. But I don't think that it's called into question enough. You know, I think that it's, Oh yeah, these are the years that you're building, you're building, you're building. And eventually, you know, you're going to set your whole family up. And I'm like, good Lord, your kids are now out of college and you're finally getting to spend time with them when they don't want to, you know, when they They don't don't want to, or can't even be around you. They don't even know you. Right. Right. Well, why would they want to be around you? And and I and I hear this over and over again. It's okay. I, I left my day job uh, because it was too much and it was taking too much. So I started my own thing, and now I'm throwing myself all into that. So I I'm like, wait a minute, you're you're just doing it. It's a cycle all over again. So I I love that. I mean, again, like I, I remember having many conversations with you where before you started your own gig, even you know you were frustrated with the travel, but then you at least got to a place where you started kind of demanding that your family comes with you, right? It's like, we have the ability because of the life we've set up that the kids can learn from anywhere. And so that's what we're going to do. And then you got to the point where you said, and this is enough. And now I'm going to take one more step towards freedom, right? Like you want to be able to do what you want. And you've maybe given up some sacrifice financially from time to time, you know, to do that. But in the end, you're getting the most out of it. And I mean, I think it's so rad that you get to, obviously it's exhausting at times, but you get to be home all day with your family, you know, with the boys in the band, you're there and you're, I mean, I'm sure it's just as exciting for you as it is, you know, responsibility, but, you know, helping them get set up and making sure that the shows run good and, um, watching especially cash, like to see him turn into a mini version of you has just been unbelievable. But I love that you've like, you've modeled that and you know, every kid can be a little punk from time to time, but you can see that, that you guys all really love each other and care about each other and are for each other. And like, these are the things that need to be modeled more often and just aren't hundred percent. And, and, and you were, and I've told you this before, but on record, uh, <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. That you were a large part of my, cause I talked to you a lot. Cause I know that you, um, 
that that you made this big transition from the everyday corporate life into doing your own thing. And that's a very ballsy move. It's very scary. You had a family. I was basically in your shoes, just coming behind you a handful of years. And so you, I had a lot, you know, several conversations with you over, over drinks, uh, regarding my desire to move. And it was really just you who gave me that confidence and drive to say, yeah, you know what? I, I can do this. Not, not only can I do this, I feel like I have to do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, I just, I love that word. I I love that you like, I have to, because I think that was where, you know, again, you, you felt like it was a commitment that you needed to make. It was, you know, it it was everything. It was, I was desperate. And I think that if you look at, um, every moment in anybody's life where you had, real measurable change that um, that you were also the most desperate for that change. And I think people, a lot of people, even a lot of my students may not be successful in investing or trading, not because they don't have the capacity to be successful, not because they don't have, you know, coaching or the tools or the resources or money, but they have a very, a lot of people have a difficult time not just being desperate, but staying desperate. Yeah, that's good. And staying hungry. Yeah. Well, right? again, because a lot of times we we so prepare to take the next step that we have a cushion. That's one thing that I coach a lot of people on is, you know, they're waiting to save up a bunch of money and then they're going to go out and do the same. And there's wisdom, right? Because you bleed money when you start anything. Yeah. But if you have a cushion, you're slow to get going. And then they think to themselves, well, you know, I'll, I'll push harder as I get going. I'm like, no, 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 no. If you set the tone early on that you can kind of ease into this, you're screwed. Like it's just going to continue on that way. So I love that. So I, I then I do have that question. So you've been out on your own now for how long? I left um, teaching for somebody else uh, about three years ago. Okay. So in the last three years, yes. how do you maintain that tension of de- healthy desperation? Um. Well, I... A, I, or there's actually several things. That I do. <laughs> Number one, uh, I, I voice how grateful every day, how grateful I am for where I'm at today. So I think it's always, you know, maintaining a state of gratefulness. Yeah. Um, there's always stuff that we don't have that we want. Right. But I try to maintain a, 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 a mindset of gratefulness for where I'm at, but I also, um, and I don't keep these people in my life for this reason, but I still talk to good friends of mine who are still hustling on the road. Mm. Not they, they're 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 traveling four days a week, and just hearing those stories, it's like I will. Ne- it's like I will never go back to that. Mm. I, I and I'm and I, I I think it's just I still it's still so fresh to me mm-hmm. how dangerous and disrupting it is to a relationship with your spouse and your family um, that I'm, I'm just desperate to never go back to that again. That's good. And I was, I mean, I, I mean, I've been, I mean, even when I was, even when I was uh, starting to learn the skill of trading, people said, well, how did you make the transition from playing drums to trading options? Those two are not connected at all. <laughs> Well, and, and, and it boils down to, I was desperate to never go back to a broke lifestyle. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so good. I'll, and, and so, uh, I'm, I'm not broke by any stretch of the imagination right now, but I, I always know I, 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 that feeling has never gone away. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I tell people that all the time, like <clears throat> and somebody was pressing me on the idea of fear and it being a bad thing. And I said, well, I said, I said, I have a really good, healthy fear and it's, I'm afraid to ever go back. I mean, the end of 2013 was probably the worst season of my life as I watched myself having to give up the keys to my house to the bank and, you know, lost so many things that we had bought. And it was, you know, just as much our own fault as circumstance, but I'm afraid to ever go back there. And so I will do within reason, everything in my power to never be there again. It's got to be morally and ethically in line, but yeah. there's, there's there's nothing I won't do to protect um, 
my uh, situation where I can be with the people I care the most about yeah, um, and have choices that are mine and, 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 and let all those choices be mine. That's good. Um, okay. So kind of a final question or at least a thought as we're landing the plane. So you right now are uh, running your own business. Mm-hmm. You have some uh, cool musical endeavors that you have stepped into or that you have been participating in and <clears throat> introduced you to a lot of really cool people and a lot of great connections. You've got some other really crazy projects that you're working on and, you know, super fun stuff there. And at the same time, um, your relationship with your wife obviously is just so good and the boys are growing up and they're in their own band and they're building up a fan base themselves. So what, what do you see as, and, and this can be as rigid or as free as you want it to be, but like, what is your vision for the future? Like, what, what do you, what are you hopeful for or, or think as you think about, I'm going to continue to be this great husband and father, the best you can be and contributor to the community and exercising all of my energy in the places that I love. Like what, what happens? I don't know. I mean, it's funny that you asked that question now because literally not two days ago when I was sitting, just, I was just staring out the window uh, and just sitting at the dining room table, which I never do, <laughs> but, except for when we're eating, but I'm sitting, staring out the window and I'm thinking, I've got nothing really going on right now that I'm unhappy with, right? I mean, everything's cranking. Everything's great. My business is great. Nicole's business is great. Our kids are awesome. They're, you know, my oldest started high school yesterday. It's crazy. And it's like, I feel like we're doing things, you know, right. Um, But there's still, and even though I'm doing stuff in music, there's still, like I mentioned earlier, there's still a hole. Yeah. It can't be filled, obviously, by playing, and I'm not going on tour, (laughs) right? The look on Nicole's face, and she was like, I was was like, I miss playing live. And she's like, the look on her face. And I'm like, don't (laughs) worry, I'm not going on tour. I just miss the idea of playing live. Yeah. I was like, but... But there's a creative aspect to building a show, yeah. you know, and building an experience for the audience. That part I miss uh, is building the experience for the audience. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I do miss some of that. And so, and so what that really boils down to is there's more creative stuff in me that needs to get out. Yeah. Right. So, um, I, I, I see exploring different things from a creative standpoint. I don't know if it's in music. It might not be. I've always had a passion for building furniture. Really? You have to furniture in my house. I built. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I did know I just love doing that stuff. I don't like doing it for other people. Oh, I was just about to say, you want to do it for me? I mean, necessarily, but, (laughs) you know, getting into like, 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 like something I've only done a handful of times is like getting into, you know, real estate on the investment side a little bit and actually getting your hands dirty. I've been, you know, I've always been a huge fan of the DIY and HGTV shows and all that kind of stuff. I'm a huge fan of that stuff. Cause yeah. I love, I'm like, Oh, I can do that here. And, yeah. and then I, I can execute that stuff. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I'm like, I will put everything in that moment. And, and sometimes it takes me a while, but I don't know. I just feel like, like, especially with Nicole and I, her and I both have a passion for, uh, for at some point getting into that real estate space where we can be creative and be in that design seat and be in that, you know, I'm not going to go get my general contractor's license or anything like that. I could see an HGTV show in your future. You see that? Yeah. See that? But I mean, I, I, I see that. Um, also, just managing the kids' career and watching them blossom has yeah. been awesome too. So I'm sure we'll have a big role in that. But I don't know, man. I want to. I want to. I want to be by the water more. That's good. Um, being at home has allowed me to be uh, involved in church more, which is great. Yeah. There was about a decade where I wasn't involved at all. Yeah. And I think, no, I don't even think, I know that being that disconnected, um, you know, definitely left a big hole. Yeah. Because uh, there was that role that I was not able to fulfill. Um, so I don't know, man. I mean, I try not to think too far into the future because it can give me anxiety too. Uh-huh. Um, but I know I have, you know, big plans for, uh, Nicole and I, my business, I don't know. Yeah. Music. I, I, I dig all creative projects. Yeah. I dig all that because I feel like 
one of the common threads, even when you talked about, you know, music and, you know, why you love it so much, it just sounds to me more like it's, it's about how you will experience life and how life will make you feel yeah. than the specific rigid, rigidness, rigidity, of, rigidity? Um, That's a word. you know, of something happening in a specific way, you know, and, and yeah. I think that will be there too. But, and what I love about all that is, is you're forging that path by doing the things you need to do every day to get there. Like the way that you're going to have time to be creative is by being successful right now, being committed to the things that you're doing. You know, like you, you continue to open up more free space for yourself. You can go sit by the water and do what you want to do. You know what I mean? Whatever. Like yeah. that will happen as you yeah. open up more opportunities. Yeah. So it's dope. I found myself preaching to all my students, design the life of your choice, live life on your terms. Yeah. And I would preach that, but for many years I wasn't doing it. And I, and I was, I was I mean, that was kind of like, like when I laid my head down on my pillow at night, I was like, dude, you're a fraud. Uh, you know, I mean, you're preaching this lifestyle and make your design your life. And, yeah. you know, you barely get to see your kids. And, <laughs> when, and when you do come home, you're trying to figure out where you fit in. I'm like, you, is that really the life that yeah. you, did you mean to design this life? Cause this is all your fault. Yeah. Yeah. You, you did a shitty job. Right. You did a shit job. So <laughs> it's like, so I, I literally woke up one day and I was like, this this is, this is shit. I have to, I mean, I'm, I'm tired of feeling like a fraud like that. You yeah. know what I mean? So, and that's when life got really good. So good, man. <laughs> it's so good. All right. Well, thanks buddy. Dude. Thank you. This is fun. Man. I know it's fun. I even learned some new things about you, which is always cool. Um, I'll make sure we don't have to list them all out, but a couple of things. Uh, if you want to hear some dope rock, uh, put Mercy Drive, M-E-R-C-Y Drive into Spotify. Totally recommend that you do that. Um, great music. That was along the late 90s, early 2000s rock that you would have heard played on the radio a lot. And so some really, really good stuff there. And um, so do that. Uh, you can go to tradersarmy.com, right? That's, uh, that's Corey's trading business. And if any bit of what he said around options or futures or just what it means to to I don't even want to say play but just understand the stock market today I think it can be a good place right for people to go I think it's got to be for everybody yeah I yeah. mean that's as close as you're going to get to your money so you better know what it's doing yeah so there um, I'm even going to tag we'll have to make sure we get permission from mom but um, uh, the boys band euthanize yeah. yeah I mean it's public right their, their band is public I know you guys like to keep some things private, but euthanize with a Y. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll do that. Um, because, uh, man, they put on some great shows. We've seen them play a couple of times. They play a lot locally here in Southern California. So that would be fun. And you can see some of Corey's creative energy come out when you see clips of video of him in the background, banging his head to kids. Play. No. Uh, so, so that will be really good. So I'll make sure to do that too, to put all that con uh, contact information down. Um, other than that, I mean, one thing that I hope you've heard throughout the common thread of today is, you know, it, it takes a, a good man to, to walk this line and it takes a lot of self-awareness. It takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of commitment. Um, we can say all the things we want in the world as it relates to being amazing at whatever roles we're called to, but to do it is a whole different thing. So I hope you heard that. Make sure that you reach out to connect with Corey. If you have any questions around anything he said, you're interested, obviously hit up Traders Army. That's a great place to go uh, for that. Uh, any questions for me, you always know where to find me. Other than that, be you, be happy, be authentic. Peace. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Authentic Conversations. If you are ready to live the life you've dreamed of, I'm here to help. Head to ryanjamesmiller.com slash podcast to begin your journey. And if this episode impacted you in any way, pay it forward by sharing it with someone you know. I'm Ryan James Miller, and I'll see you next time on Authentic Conversations.